be shed on our behalf. And we thank you for the authority of your word. And Lord, we thank you that as we hide your word in our heart, it becomes a weapon and a sword and a, our source of victory in every area and circumstance and situation for our life. We thank you tonight that we will have eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. The last few weeks, we were together last week. Brother Ted was here, Rose was here, and he came up again today. We had lunch together. Just a great friend in the Lord. Did you enjoy that last week? I mean, a great time in the Lord together and just great uh, passion that he has for praying, not just for pastors, but for the church as a whole and the importance of us praying together. But two weeks prior to that, we had been ministering and began this lesson on the blood and the word and just going back and, and learning what our foundation, what our truth is for victory. God's plan for our life is victory. Amen. In fact, if you have your Bibles, turn to John 10, 10. Uh, we'll get to it at the end of the lesson, but I am going to go over it tonight and just to show us this area. And uh, John chapter 10 and the 10th verse, we all know what it says, but it's Jesus' declaration of really why he came. And he's speaking about the thief and the sheepfold and the door and everything. But in John 10, 10, he says, The thief does not come except to steal to kill and to destroy, the first half of the verse. So he defines a thief comes and he has a threefold purpose, to steal, to kill, and to, the, to destroy. So the enemy is constantly working in the, in, in the earth for that express purpose, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Would you agree? Well, look at what Jesus said. He said, I have come. So he said, the thief has come, but I have come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. So in other words, there, there's two choices that we can make. So we're either going to buy into the lie of the thief, and we dealt with that before, and uh, some of those areas, I'm going to give you a quick overview tonight and go through a lot of this rather quickly tonight to get to where we want to be. But Jesus says there's a thief, he's the accuser, and he comes to steal, to kill and destroy. He is the usurper God. He took from Adam and Eve what belonged to them. The devil has no authority except what you and I give to him. That's why the Bible says, resist him and he will flee from you. Amen? And, uh, and so we have authority and all power and authority has been given to us over all the power of the enemy. But Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. In our first lesson, we talked about breaking free from Satan's guilt trip and that he uses that. Our past, our failures. I, I have failures. I was told because of organization, that because of failures in my life, God couldn't use me. You've been told. And the end, whether people tell you or the devil just reminds you of the mistakes that you made, that you don't have value before God and your mistakes disqualify you. How many know that's a lie? Your mistakes don't disqualify you. And, uh, and so, and then we find out that we are either yielding, that we, we learn how to yield to conviction, but conviction doesn't mean guilt. Conviction and guilt are two different things. God convicts us to move us in the right direction. Guilt condemns us and pushes us down and cripples us. And, uh, and so we share with you and, and we gave you the information. You know, we see people all the time put their hand up and say, talk to the hand, you know. And so we, we declared that to you that when, when the enemy comes and brings guilt, you're supposed to tell him to talk to the blood. Because it's the blood of Christ that declares your righteousness. Are you with me? Talk to the blood. And so God knew that he would have to redeem his creation. He made provision for a wrong choice. And he did that for man as a whole, and he did that for us individually. If you look at that, and, and I'm just giving you a quick review here. This isn't in your outline. But I'm giving you a quick review that God knew in the beginning, in lesson one, we talked about that. God knew if he created man, that man would, given a choice, that the potential for a wrong choice was there to be made. And so he made provision in advance. And even this afternoon, I was going back over and studying, it, it, just, it, it just rose up on the inside of me. Not only did that from man as a whole but how many know God knows everything about your life he is omniscient and, and it excited me to know that God knew I would make wrong choices in my life and he made provision for that when I came to Christ provision and been made for my wrong choices Lord I don't know about you it excited me I got excited on my own this afternoon praise the Lord 
So it ministered to myself. So he did it for humanity as a whole and for us as an individual made provision for our wrong choices. He provided freedom from guilt and made a way for man to be once again righteous in his presence. Romans 1.16 declares that the gospel declares the righteousness of God. And, so, and that righteousness is revealed. And if we don't understand, we, we told you in our first lesson that if we don't understand righteousness then we're only understanding half the truth. To know that we're saved and our sins are forgiven, that's only living in half the truth. But really understanding fully what it means to be righteous before God. When you understand that, you cut the enemy off from using that guilt and condemnation in your life. So many people are, 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 are hesitant at even believing God for answers to their prayers. Because they don't fully understand righteousness. And so that's part of what this is. That when we understand who we are in Christ, that we have every right to ask. And it is nothing that you and I can do or ever will do on our own. It is only by the blood. And when we understand how the blood works and, and how to apply that to our life and live under the covering and live through the righteousness of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many know the Bible says that when we are Christians, we are no longer in ourselves, we are in Christ. And uh, as Pastor Ted and I were having lunch today, it was interesting. He talks about Tommy Barnett has, a, has an armor bearer pastor and he teaches lessons similar to Terry Nance has done in the armor bearer books that we have in that. And, uh, but he says when he begins the lesson, when he teaches leadership and does a leadership lesson on being an armor bearer, he comes out in a blank mask. And he begins to talk and he introduces himself and he says, this is my name, this is who I am, and you're wondering why I'm in a mask and you can't see my face because I am not here to be seen. I'm here to represent my pastor and his vision in the ministry, and it's not about me being seen or me being promoted or me having position. I'm here to serve and promote what God has called him to do. How many know what I'm saying? And so for you and I, and as we were sitting there in lunch, I'm thinking about our lesson, that's exactly who we are in Christ. If any man be in Christ, it's not about people being able to see us. It's not about our righteousness. It's not about our purity. It's nothing in ourselves. It's not about us being seen. It's about us learning how to put a mask over who we are that we may reflect the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? That He may be seen through us. That it may be said that we live for His cause, for His purpose. Are we doing all right? So that's there for us. So well, half of it is we are forgiven. The other half is we are the righteousness of God in Christ. And in that, we have every right to boldly come into God's presence and to receive the help that we need in a time of need. And then uh, two weeks ago, we talked about the Passover and the blood being applied through believing and speaking. It says when they had the Passover in Exodus chapter 12, they had the Passover, they prepared the meal, and the Lord told them what to do. And when they did the sacrifice, they collected the blood in a bowl, and then they were to, to take hyssop and dip it in the bowl, and then go apply it to the doorpost of the house. It would do no good if they just did everything with the sacrifice, collected the blood, and had all the blood in a bowl in the house, but never applied it to the door. It had to be applied to the door in order for God to see the blood to pass over. It says when the angel, the death angel is going to pass through, and God said, when I see the blood on the door, I will pass over. And so a type of that for us is that Revelation 3.20, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Amen? And if anybody answers, I will come in to him and sup with him. And by virtue of the blood, we have now this access that God, we are now qualified and God is able to come into us. He cleanses us. He washes it. God can dwell in his blood. Are you listening to me? He can dwell in his blood. And so for you and I, God has made a way. But we, and we said last week, or two weeks ago in Romans 10, that by confession is made with our hearts, we believe unto righteousness, and with our mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So we believe it in our heart, but confession is what applies it to the doorposts of our life. We have to be speaking. So if a lot of people believe, 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 but what they're speaking is not an application of what they believe. Let me follow what I just said. 
if I'm speaking my circumstances, if I'm speaking my situation, if I'm speaking my condition, then that's not the application of the blood. Because the blood speaks... Hebrews tells us that the blood has a voice. And the blood speaks of our redemption. So my confession has to be in agreement with what the blood says. Are you listening to me? So we confess the word. We speak the word. And we declare that. And by doing so, we're applying the blood to the doorposts of our heart. And when the enemy sees that, he has to pass over. The death angel could not, put, could, could not penetrate the blood, could not come past the blood. It is so important. That's why the Bible speaks to us so much about confession, about what we say. Jesus talked over and over about what we say. He literally said that by every word that you speak, by your words you are justified, and by your words are you are condemned. In Matthew chapter 12. It is so important are you with me tonight and so that's what we're dealing with on this the two areas in this lesson is dealing with the blood and the word so the blood and the bowl was no good it had to be applied praise the lord look at the cover of your outline ask yourself this is this the life that Jesus died for me to have? Just stop, put your Christianity right out in front of you, your life, and just say, wait a minute, as a Christian, as a believer, is this the life? Am I living? I have come that you might have life and have it more bunny. Am I living that life? Am I walking in that authority? Am I walking in that power? Am, am I seeing any appropriation of that in my life? Is this the life that He died for me to have? Just a question. That's what Jesus said. The thief's purpose, the living Bible says, is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give life in all its fullness. To have life, Jesus, to have the life Jesus died for us to have, we will have to take him at his word. How many would agree? Now, all the years that I've been pastoring, and you begin to talk about the promises of God, the provision of God, we always come up with excuses for why. It isn't fully ours. We have whole denominations and whole religions that don't believe certain things are even for today. Okay, yeah, I know that God did that there, but the reason He did that there was for a special thing. Well, wait a minute. I need everything they needed. How come they got to be so special? How come they got to see the full manifestation power of the Holy Spirit in the beginning? We're, the, we're, the, we're getting saved out of the same sin, the same corruption, the same world. We, we, we have the potential of going to the same hell. I think we need the same power. Amen. Amen. But somehow, something happened, and, and then people say this, their whole denomination say that now that we have the Bible in printed form, we don't need the prophetic word anymore, we don't need the vocal gifts of the Holy Spirit, all that kind of stuff. And so what I'm saying is, is that we're saying things, but yet it, we just, we're just making stuff up. Instead of saying, wait a minute, this stuff was available to us. Amen. I don't know. See, as a pastor, we preach and you preach on topics and, and, and you go through the scriptures like this. And then uh, for us, we give altar calls and we teach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I was always crazy. We got Keith and I and, and Thomas, we were getting some stuff ready yesterday for the homeless. And we went up and had a little hot dog for lunch at the hot dog stand here on the corner here. And because uh, we're guys and that's the way we roll. And uh, so anyway, we're there. And it turned out these guys asked us what we're doing. And uh, I said, well, we're just taking a break and we're getting some things ready for our homeless people, for our church and stuff tonight. And, that. and they go, oh, that's cool. It turns out one of the guys behind there, he's kind of like a backslidden believer and stuff. Next thing you know, I meet my hot dog. He comes over and he quotes, you know, I love that passage. I said, yeah, which one? <laughs> he goes, the one that says, though our outward man is perishing, our inward man is being renewed day by day. You know, I just, I, I, I just like that, what Paul said there. I said, yeah, 1 Corinthians, that's awesome. He goes, yeah. Next thing you know, we're talking, we've drifted over to the truck, and we're standing there, and we're just having this conversation, but as we're talking, and he's drifted way away, and what's amazing, you can be praying for him, his name is Sam, and, uh, but he was a, a, a painter, and window washer, he's working in Denver, but, but he, through frostbite, he lost all the ends of his fingers, and uh, he, he, he's a, a, a musician, and he loves to play, and he plays guitar, 
and he lost all of his fingers. So he goes, but now I'm learning to play the slide and I'm, I'm doing slide guitar and I'm playing blues. I said, dude, you need to come sit in with uh, <laughs> just kind of hang out. And stuff. I said, wait, we have some guys. You love our, our, our guys and our team and stuff. And that, but we just began talking, and I'm saying all this because with him we're talking about life and experiences. And I shared a little bit of my testimony. I said, you know, before I got saved, I did anything anybody wanted to do. If you said, hey, let's do this, let's go. I didn't say, well, that doesn't sound very smart. I, I was, I was just all in. How many know what I'm saying? I was all in. Stay with me. I'm going somewhere with this. I was all in. And I, and I said, you know, when I got saved, that's the same way I lived for Christ. I want to live all in. So when I read in the Bible, they did this, they did that. When I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I said, hey, they did that. I want that. If it's in there, I want that. If it says that, if they could have it, I want to have it. If they did it, if God did something, there, I want to see that happen in my life. Amen? And so if someone said, hey, try this. I never tried to reason anything. I never tried to talk myself out of anything. And so same way in living for God. And that's what I told him. I said, man, let's just go for God. Let's just believe. And he goes, yeah, I, some people don't believe. I think there's still prophets in the earth. I said, me too, dude. <laughs> you know? It's fun because when you get around freaky people, you can go freaky with them and it's way fun. Amen. Amen. Because people, pe people want real and they want relationship with God. Or you just go, yeah, you know, we have a very boring church. We don't believe God does anything. God doesn't do anything. I'll never do anything. I said, man, you need to come and play. People need to see your faith and believe God. And you can inspire people through adversity and stuff. Amen. Amen? So what I'm saying is that we just need to take God at His word. Take Jesus 100% at His Word. Whether it's for the gifts of the Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the provision of God, the power of God, whatever it is, take Him at His Word. Think about that. In doing so, though, we have to take 100% responsibility for the outcome of our lives. What does that mean? The notorious excuse of the church. I remember when we first got saved and, and, and old Pentecostal movement was, our, our greatest excuse was the devil's been after me all week. Like we were super important. The devil's been after me all week. The devil's been here. The devil's been there. The devil's been there. Well, first of all, to get his attention, you have to, you have to do something adversely against his kingdom. It means you'd probably lead somebody to the Lord, get somebody healed, cast out a devil, and you'd get his attention. Hello? Amen. But your cold, your corn, and your cough does not mean the devil has been chasing you all week. We're doing all right. Okay. So, but what this means, follow me here. This means giving up our excuses, victim stories, all reasons why we can't and why we haven't up till now. And all of our blaming outside circumstances, we will have to give them all up forever. To take God at His word. These are they that overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their life unto death. So we're willing to go all out, put it all on the line, even to the point that our life is on the line to see it come to pass. Read in Pastor Francis' book this morning, and I can't remember the, the guy's name, but there was an Asian monk that traveled to Rome during the time of the gladiator. Does anybody know what caused the gladiator games to cease? Anybody ever heard the story, what caused the gladiator games to come to an end? This Asian monk traveled to Rome. When we got there, he saw all the commotion, and he followed the crowd. He got into the Colosseum while he's up in there. The gladiators came out, and they began fighting, and, and they began killing one another for the entertainment of the people. And in the middle of the crowd, he stood up, and he said, Stop! In the name of Jesus Christ, stop! And nobody heard him in the roars. People are dying. The roars going. And so he worked his way down. And he kept crying that out. And he, finally, he worked his way down. Crawled over the wall of the arena. Got in the middle of the arena. And walked out amongst the gladiators saying the same thing. In the name of Jesus Christ, stop! And the crowd is yelling and going on and still. And a gladiator came over and thrust him through with the sword and killed him. And as he was going down, he says, In the name of Jesus Christ, stop! He fell dead. The crowd went silent. Gladiators quit fighting. 
And the arena Colosseum began to empty out. And that was the last time the gladiators ever fought in the Roman Colosseum. But something in him stood up against that wrong. Are you with me? And there has to be something about a victorious spirit, an overcoming spirit, standing up for injustice and wrong, putting something on the line. How many know that there are some things going on in our society today that are just wrong? And somebody has to be willing to stand up at the expense of not loving your life unto death and believing that we can overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. And we can say, oh, but He died. But He put an end to a great injustice. And God's will for our life is, is that very same way. Are you listening to me? So important that we understand that. So that's what I mean. We have to give up all those excuses forever. You have to take the position that you have always had the power by virtue of His Word to make, it, to make a difference, to, get, to make it different, to get it right, to produce, excuse me, the desired result. For whatever reason, ignorance, lack of awareness, fear, needing to be right, the need to feel safe, you choose not to exercise that power. Who knows why? It does not matter. In the past, the past is the past. All that matters now is that from this point forward, you choose what's right, and that's right, it's a choice. To, to act as if, to, to act as if that is all that is required. To act as if you are 100% responsible for everything that does or doesn't happen to you. All this stuff types better than it reads. <laughs> when it's flowing, you ever do that? When you type something out in your head, it all makes sense, and then you read it back. But the past is the past. All that matters now is that from this point forward you choose. That's right, it's a choice. To act as if that is all that is required. To act as if you are 100% responsible for everything that does or does not happen to you. What if we got a hold of that? Wait a minute. I'm responsible for my life. I'm responsible for my life wherever I am. I'm responsible. I'm responsible for the way it is, and I'm responsible for if it's ever going to change. Do you know we have a whole society today that expects somebody else to be responsible for their life? Children are growing up thinking their parents are supposed to be responsible for them for their whole life. We're not responsible for you forever. We have societies think you're responsible. We have our president telling us everybody deserves an education. Our society is not responsible to give people an education. We're not responsible to give you a job after you get an education. There's no guarantee in life. There's you taking responsibility for your life and making something out of it. As a believer, it's us taking the authority and all the provision, thinking about why did Jesus come as a baby? Why did God wrap His love in the form of a son, send Him through a virgin to a manger, to be born in obscurity, to die a vile sinner's death and a criminal's death on a cross that you and I might be free? It has to be for a little bit more than what we're living out in real time. Would you agree? Just a little bit more. Praise the Lord. From this moment forward, you must choose to choose the Word and the life that Jesus died for you to have. Listen to what Jesus said. All power and authority has been given unto me. Go ye therefore. Sometimes you wonder why I preach messages like this. Because as a pastor, there are things that I have to stir myself up. I can just go, okay, we've got enough people. I'm going through life. Life's going. You could do this. You could do that. No, wait a minute. Jesus died for more than you and I to have a comfortable life. He died for this world to be saved. He died so nobody would have to perish. He came seeking and saving the lost. And He died for a great cause, and that cause is His creation, which is humanity. And the heart of God breaks for every lost person. Think about this. Last night, we're there, and a young man walks up to me, and he says, Pastor, do you remember me? And he's a young man that we baptized just a few months ago this year. And now through choices that he makes, here he is, he's home. How are you doing, son? Well, not that good right now. Well, how do you get there? How do you go from here to there in just a couple months? A choice? 
a choice. Because a thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So how many know God's heart is still for that young man? And like I said a few moments ago, God knows bad choices will be made, but He made provision for every bad choice that we make. And we can come under the blood and be cleansed and be restored. Thank God for that. A few moments tonight, and we covered this last time. I'm going to go through this quickly. We talked about the Word. The story of the human race in each generation is the same. Each man is born with a fallen nature. Every one of us in this room, you were born into a fallen nature. It's on the inside of you. You don't think so. The greatest illustration is working that nursery. You think man is born without it. Just go in there with little baby and watch little babies act when they don't get their way. Put two little babies together and one bottle in between them. And little babies will show you their fallen nature. And we hold them. When you're holding them and they're going, ooh, good. When they're, when they're clean and full, they're cute. But that little nature and that little self-determined will, self-driven will. Are you with me? When that's stirred up, when that's in there, it manifests and little babies throw fits. Throw temper to scratch and hit one. Where's that coming? I thought they were. Where's that come from? Because we're born with it. Are you listening to me? And as parents, we teach and we train and we bring our, our children to the knowledge of the truth that we need to say, everybody needs a Savior. Are you with me? No. Each man is born with the fallen nature that loves to sin. Read Romans chapter 7. Paul says, the things that I want to do, I don't do. The things that I don't want to do, I do. Oh, who can save me from this wretched man that I am? He says, there's a war going on to save me. He says, well, thank God through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? And he says that, James said, that nature is devilish. Or like the devil. Before this man. Now, let me just put it to you like this. The devil's goal was to be above God. Not to be under the authority of God, but to have authority over God. And any person that doesn't submit to the authority of God is devilish. Anything that is not submitted to God is devilish in nature. Because it is rebellion against God. And the Bible says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Well, not everything, Pastor. Oh, yeah, everything. There's no innocent rebellion. Are you with me? No innocent. And, and, and that's what we do. Watch, watch his parents. Here's what the devil said. Oh, 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 look at your kids acting. Isn't that cute? When they go, no, 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 no. Oh, isn't that cute? No, it's not cute. That's devilish. I never get a lot of amens right in this area. But before this man grows to adulthood, he's already taken captive by the devil. And it's done by reaching into the sensual part of man. Think about our music, our media, our culture, our movies, the internet, social media, and all the influences always expanding. It's just, expand it's just quadrupling. And think about that, and, and you're looking. I'm watching, and, 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 and uh, I was reading Pastor Francis's book, no, it's amazing, his insight on it. But he's talking, and I'm watching. All of our social media, we're doing everything through media. We've forgotten to, how to interact with people face-to-face. -face. Our young people, our teens, our, our 20s, and, and our early 30s, and, and, and tweeners and that. Where are we? We, 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 can, we can talk to everybody, but, but all this stuff and all this emotions out there. Wait a minute. See, but people with real people. Amen? But, but we're getting all this and we're in influence and how to act and put this out there and my feeling and, and we want instant response. We want this. And it's crippling us. It's, it, it's not making us better. It's causing us to be a, a, a dysfunctional society. Keep your eye on it. And by his ability to control the thinking process through his think bombs. That was Brotherhood's favorite thought, that the devil has think bombs that he brings against your mind. What are they? Thoughts like evolution, humanism, atheism, liberalism, political correctness, societal sensitivity. Look at all the stuff we're supposed to be sensitive to in society. And 95% of it is 
immoral. But you have to be considerate of it. Oh, it's a thing from Texas. One of the things where, where, where they had a big group of people because they wanted to take down in Henley, Texas or someplace like that. They wanted to take down the nativity scene. 5,000 people showed up and said, no way. And, and, and it was an outside atheistic group that came from someplace else into Texas trying to get it down. It was, you know, don't mess with Texas or with our nativity scene. So it was good. Amen. But somewhere you have to stand up. In California, we don't know how to do that. But what happens? Through those think bombs, he causes us to ask questions and doubt and trust the Word of God. Each generation is seduced and falls into his snares. They become his children. Go with me to John chapter 8. You doing all right? John chapter 8. I said it Sunday morning just in preparation and in getting ready for this. You're living in a season, you and I are in a season in a decade when you are going to have to know the power of the Word and the blood. John chapter 8, let me get over there, I'll turn to another scripture at the same time. In verse 41, Jesus speaking to the Israelites here, to the Jews, You do your deeds of the, the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, We were not born of fornication. We have one Father God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father who? I mean, oh, that's a seeker-sensitive statement. Amen? Jesus speaking to the whole crowd. Oh, God was love. We just act like Jesus. Jesus. And, you know, everybody, everybody wore those braids. What WWJD, what would Jesus do? He'd tell people they were of the devil. That's what he would do. You're doing all right? Under the anointing. You don't want to do that every place. Somebody may knock your lights out. Under the anointing. Amen? Okay. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. Who's the father of lies? Anybody in here ever told a lie? Where'd that come from? Well, it came from the Holy Ghost. <laughs> no, it didn't. <laughs> well, it was a little white lie. No, there ain't no such <laughs> Amen. Came out of our fallen nature. That's where it came from. Came out of self-preservation. Every lie comes out of self-preservation, self-promotion, self-justification. Amen? So, but if I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin if I tell you the truth? Why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear me because you are not of God. Wow. Go with me to uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Remember I said Sunday morning that atheism is a convenience to this day? There's coming a day when there won't be allowed to be an atheist on the earth. The Antichrist won't allow it. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 5. Do you not remember that when I was with you still, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who excuse me, now restrains will do it until he is taken out of the way. And when the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth, and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power signs and what? Lying and what? Lying. Lying wonders. Lying wonders. We're in a culture that's caught up in the supernatural. It's in the churches as well. I believe in signs, wonders, and miracles. I pastor friends years ago and guys and, and, and ministry friends. A lot of guys that I bring in over the years is because they flow in a prophetic, they flow in power gifts. 
in healing, words of prophecy and stuff like that, because I believe in the manifest presence and power of God. And I love the manifest power of God. It's God's will for His church and for His people that our faith wouldn't be in the wisdom of men, but in the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And I had some guys, that, and they wanted to transition out of that. One guy one time, he wanted to do that, and so he, he came a couple times years ago, and uh, we had great meetings with him. He'd pray, minister to the needs of people. And I like it because they're not, you can't say, oh, how did you know that? Blah, 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 blah. They, they just get up and minister. And you know it's revealed by the Holy Spirit when they call you out and they say there's something. They have a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom for somebody. Amen? And so I like that. Well, then they come and they just want to teach and they don't want to give altar calls. They want to pray for people or do anything else. Or they want to teach for four nights and the last night they'll, you know, work signs, wonders, and miracles and stuff. And I tell him, I said, brother, I don't bring you in to teach. I bring you in, you in here for the altar. Amen. I said, we don't have a teaching deficit. Are you listening to me? We're not, we're not afraid to say things. You're not going to say something that I'm afraid to say. Or that I, you're not going to teach on something that I won't address. I don't bring people in to address things that I, don't, that I won't speak to or talk about. How many know what I'm saying? That, that is why I bring people in because they add to and they complement and bring confirmation. Are you listening to me? And so from that, but, but, but they move away from that. So, but there are, we have to be careful that we're not chasing signs and wonders. So I'm saying that because in the last day, if the church gets caught up chasing signs and wonders, then you can be caught up with lying signs and wonders. Praise the Lord. So that's why the local church is so valuable and the devil does everything he can to move people out of the local church and isolate and individualize them. And so he said, but he's coming with lying wonders. Now watch this, verse 10. And with all unrighteous what? Deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And I'm telling you what God, what Paul is writing to the church at Thessalonica here, Church of Thessalonica, 2 Thessalonians, <laughs> the Church of Thessalonica. He's writing to them, and it's a call to righteousness. Are you with me? It's up to you and I to live righteous, not to be caught up in the world. Where John said, don't love the world, don't be friends with the world, but there are places where we live righteously before God. And so we're trying to avoid becoming children of the enemy, the influence. Everybody thinks, I'm not caught up in that, I won't be pulled in that. There has to be a place where we bring ourselves back, sit back, look at our life as believers, and choose to live by the Word, live by the blood, and live a life that's pleasing unto the Lord. Would anybody say amen? And so Jesus said here, back to our outline, He said, they become His children, they form the kingdom of darkness, Colossians 1.13, and Satan continues to reign as the God of the people of this world. You're there in Thessalonians, turn back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. There is a God of this world. I love all the people, I don't believe in God. Whether you believe or not, you're under the authority of the God of this world. Everybody is under the authority of one or the other. You're either under the authority of Satan, and you've submitted yourself to the God of this world, or else you're under the authority of God. There's only two kingdoms. There's light and darkness. <coughs> Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since we have this ministry in earthen vessels, we have... and. Uh, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced what? The hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness or handling the word of God deceitfully by the manifestation of truth, committing ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds what? The God of who? This age has blinded. So the devil has actually blinded people's minds. So you go back and Paul prayed another, that the eyes of your understanding would be open and enlightened. Okay. 
who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give light, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God, and not of us. So Satan continues to reign as the God of this world. All mature Christians know that man cannot save himself out of this bondage. For in the, in the natural, man is no match for Satan. In ourselves. We can't save ourselves. We can't make ourselves better. We must be redeemed. Turning over a new leaf will not help. As we come upon the new year, a new year's resolution will not help. Anybody have those that didn't work? Yeah, we all have. Man's religions will not help because they only have the form of godliness. You might want to write down 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1-5 through 5 there. Man's collective efforts will not help. Think about all our corporate and collective efforts, the UN governments, the ACLU, the Peace Corps, anything else you can add on to it. Uh, we must be able to hear what Jesus taught and what His Word declares and reveals. Matthew or Luke chapter 11, 2022, Jesus says, you can't spoil a place unless you first bind the strong man. And Jesus came and bound the strong man on our behalf. Would you agree? And Psalms 8 and Hebrews 2 teaches us that man in his fallen state is a little lower than the angels. What is man that thou art mindful of, son of man, that you visit him? So man in his fallen state is lower. But now when we are in Christ, where are we in Christ? Seated in heavenly places. Far above all principality and power, might and dominion. In our fallen state, we are a little lower than the angels. But in our, in our redeemed position, we are seated in Christ, in heaven. And we are joint heirs with Him. Amen? In our redeemed life. Praise the Lord. Thank God for the blood. Amen? So Satan is a fallen angel. So by nature, he is stronger than fallen man. Isaiah 14, How art thou fallen, O Lucifer, son of the morning? When he said, I will exalt my throne above the Most High. Have you ever noticed that when people disagree with the gospel, the one thing they disagree with really is authority? Because the, the only difference between this and most other is this speaks in absolute tones. The Word of God declares non-negotiables. Amen? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't say A, He said the. The only. I'm the brother. No man comes unto the Father except through me, by me, in me, however your translation says. But without me, I'm the door. There's not a door. I'm not, this is not, make, let's make a deal. It's not door number one, door number two, door number three. Anyone will work. It's just one door. Amen? And he is it. Praise the Lord. So, thank God. So if man was to be helped, God the Creator would have to act on his behalf. The Bible is a record of how God has acted to bring about man's deliverance from the kingdom of darkness and its master Satan. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You're there. But watch this. Watch what God did. Verse 18. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 18. We know what verse 17 says. But verse 18 says, Now all things are of God who has reconciled us where? To Himself. How? Through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of what? Reconciliation. Now wait a minute. He's given us the ministry of what? Let's just pause here. De define that. Somebody define that. What, what, if, if we said, okay, you have the ministry of reconciliation. Huh? Connection. Okay. Huh? To bring together. Okay. Now you have the ministry of that. Okay, that, that, that's the definition of ministry. So, who be you reconciling? 
So when people say, so, so every ministry, no matter if you say you have ministry, and you're, I'm ministering, for, I do this, and, and, and I minister for the Lord doing this, and this is my ministry, and that's my... So any label that you put ministry upon, if it's not defined by this, it's an invalid ministry. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. God was in the world through Christ to reconcile us to Himself. So if He reconciled you, He wants to reconcile everybody else the same. So our ministry, whatever we're doing, it has to be connected to telling somebody else they can be reconciled to God. Be brought back to. Be connected. Be joined back with to the Lord. Amen? There's no such ministry of just existing. There's no ministry of preservation. We're doing okay. Alright. Verse 19. That is God was in Christ. Reconciling the world to who? Not imputing their trespasses to them. And has committed to us the word of what? Reconciliation. Just a lot about this word in here, isn't there? Therefore, we are what? Ambassadors for who? Through Christ. As though God were pleading through us. We implore you on who? Christ's behalf. Be what? Reconciled to God. For He Himself made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of of God. Wow. So the Bible shows that God acted to bring about man's deliverance from the kingdom of darkness and its master Satan. God acted and moved on our behalf. Then he said, go with me to John, First uh, John chapter 5. No, actually, go, go to Romans chapter 10. We're closer there. Time's sake. Romans 10. God moved on our behalf, and then He declared. Romans 10, verses 13 through 17 declares this. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be what? How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they be sent? So I wonder if we go preach, what word are we going to preach? A word of reconciliation. Amen. How can they know they can be reconciled if nobody tells them? How can they know God made a way? God came through Christ to reconcile you. Hey. How beautiful are the feet of them. It's written. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed our gospel. For our Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And then God appointed a plan. What God did for man over 2,000 years ago will do man no good until he hears what God says and believes and responds to what God says. God acts, God speaks, man hears, and man believes. That's the way salvation works through our life. Would you agree? Let me close these last couple minutes with just this thought. Man at his highest point is when we're responding to the Word of God appropriately. Genesis 3.8 says this, tells us that man was designed in the beginning. Hear this tonight. You and I were designed, the way you're designed, how were you functioned, how were you made, what, what, what was when God formed man in His plan, what was in His mind when He formed man, in God's original plan when man was made, Jesus came to redeem, to restore. We're restored back to where we can once again receive and be in the place that God originally created man to be in. Think about it. it. Tells that man was designed in the beginning to get his input from the voice of the Creator. Let me, let's, let's just stop for a minute. Let me, let me just interject like this. How much of your life has been influenced by words? What part of your life is not connected to words? Is there any aspect of your life that is not shaped by words that you've heard? Is there any belief that you have that has not been shaped by words? 
What is all marketing? The power of words. And what do they say? Okay, stay with me. Watch it. It's said of the woman with the issue of blood that she said and kept saying, If I can touch him, I will be made whole. If I can touch him, I will be made whole. If I can touch him, I will be made whole. On the negative side, man has learned if I tell you over and over a lie, you believe it's the truth. As long as you hear it enough times, you'll get to the place where you won't question it out. You'll just believe it. And every year, I haven't made one joke about it yet. But every year at this time, Macy's has one day only sales. And every day is a one day only sale. Well then, if you're having a one day only sale, you cannot have a one day only sale tomorrow. Today is a one day only sale. But every day, but, but everything, this is it. You have to have it. Da, 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 da. Watch this. Remember our, the housing crisis that we entered into? What did they say? Prices will never be this low again. The market is climbing. Houses, if you don't buy now, prices will never be this low again. Nothing will ever happen. And so they tell you, and so if you don't prove all things by hearing, your life will be influenced. God designed man that his life would be directed by words. But that direction would come directly from your Creator, not from any other source. The thing that man got in trouble with in the, be in the beginning is he did not filter who he allowed to speak into his life. And so when the devil came into the garden, the fall of man came through words. And we think today we can hear anything, be exposed to anything, and somehow it won't get in us and affect it. All word is seed. And every seed contains the power to reproduce. The, the, the principle, the law of seed, time, and harvest is that every seed reproduces after its own kind. 1 Corinthians 15.33, write it down. You're there in Romans. Turn over there real quick. 15 and 13. Watch this. 1 Corinthians 15.33. Don't be deceived. Evil company corrupts good morals. Don't be deceived. Evil company corrupts good morals. How? By words. By words. It's by words. Everything will come by words. Are you following me here? Man was created to receive direction from words. That God would speak into his life. God's original intent is I will form man and I will speak to him. And we will have a relationship of communication. And we will fellowship one with another. By intimacy, by speech, by fellowship. Through koinonia. Man will speak to me and I will talk to him. Intimacy. How does intimacy begin between a man and a woman? We begin having conversation to one another. And through our conversation to one another, we begin to open ourselves up to one another. We expose. And the more we converse, the more we talk, we begin to open up. And people who are great cons learn how to talk to you to get you to open up so they can get what they want from you. They get you to trust by words. And so there's something about communication that causes us to open us up and, and, and cause ourselves, we, we become open and vulnerable through communication. And so you get to that place, and, and the goal is to get to that place of intimacy. Complete trust. 
And God created man, you and I, that through words and through fellowship and speaking, that we would open up and become intimate and have complete trust with God. Are you doing all right? Now go back to this statement. We were created to get our input from the voice of God. This was to be the direction his life took. God's plan was for man to live by his spoken word that came to him out of relationship with the Father. Not a written word in a book, but personal, God-breathed direction for life. What's that mean? That somewhere, if all I do is just read my Bible, and it never gets to a place where it becomes, the relationship with God never gets no deeper than reading, this has to become a spoken word. That's why there's two levels of the Word. There's the Logos, and then there is the Rhema, which is the God-breathed part, the spoken Word, the personal Word to you and I. Our relationship has to get to be to God, because if, if all it is is just a reading of the Bible, then I've just become a religious reader. But it has to become the place where I have, I'm a relationship hearer. Jeremiah said that when it comes to direction, you will hear a voice from behind you saying, go this way. And then you will judge being able to hear God's voice by what you know of His Word. I've spent time, so I know God. I know His nature. I know how He is. I, 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 know, I know God. I know His heart towards me. And so I'm able to hear His voice. Jesus says, my sheep, do what? Know my voice. And the voice of a... They will not... So what does that mean? He just told you there were two voices in your life. There's the voice... He said, I'm the good shepherd. And I lead my sheep. And my sheep hear, recognize, and discern and know my voice. And the voice of a stranger they will not follow. But if I don't spend time. Let me put you like this. Everybody in this room has somebody that can call you. And they don't even tell you who it is. And you recognize their voice. You know them by voice association. But if that same. If you haven't talked to that person. In years. They call you and your mind. Because there hasn't been a connection for so long. You fake it. And you go, oh, oh, excuse me, who is this? And you have to ask, because you haven't heard the voice enough, you've lost the recognition of the voice. Because it's been a while since you've been in communication with that person. And for you and I on our walk with God, that if we don't stay in connection with Him, hearing and listening to His voice, learning the voice of God, there is another voice that's always speaking. The devil is always speaking, guys. And we can get where... And if you could, you know, the, some of the fun of this comedy is watching people who are imitators of people, they, whatever they call that when you... Impersonator. Okay, and people impersonate somebody else. And you listen to them and go, wow, that sounds just like that person. Can I tell you that the devil can sound just like God, but he twists it enough to make it a lie? And you have to be able to distinguish between the false and the lie. Father, tonight I thank you for what you have for our lives. Lord, you said that we would overcome your word declares that we are overcomers by the blood and by the word. And Father, tonight we thank you that by the confession of our mouths, we can apply the shed blood of our Savior to the doorposts of our heart. And when the enemy sees the blood, he has to pass over. Your blood declares that our lives are off limits to him. He's not allowed to trespass. But Father, help us to keep that blood freshly applied daily through the confession of our faith. 
the declaration of your word in our life. That we daily dip our tongues into the blood and apply it to the doorposts of our life through the confession of our mouth, Father. We thank you, Father, tonight that it's your will that we would hear and to know your voice. That we would receive our direction, our guidance, our input for life directly from you, relationship with you. Father, we say yes to you with all that we are. And we bless you and we honor you tonight. We thank you for all that you've done for our homes, for our lives, for our families. We are so thankful. Lord, tonight we take that full responsibility. We look at our lives and we're willing to lay aside every excuse, every reason. But take full responsibility. We thank you that we have the authority to make changes, to turn things around, to cause victory to come out of despair and, 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 and brokenness, but rise up out of the ashes and rebuild and restore and regain all that the enemy tried to take. And we just give you the praise and the glory for that tonight, Father. All that is ours through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Lord, I just thank you that you'll keep each one, watch over them, cause them to be blessed, refreshed, strengthened and renewed by your spirit in Jesus name everybody said amen. amen have a blessed 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 rest of your week speak the word only listen to the voice of God amen we love you if you can help us sign up out there let us know if you can come on Christmas Eve Saturday morning nine o'clock help us put together